following program is paid for by Mike Boyle. The following program has been pre-recorded. He spent over 40 years in and around the restaurant industry. He's been an owner and an operator. He's a member of the Colorado Restaurant Hall of Fame. For over 30 years, his radio shows have been keeping you updated on the ever-changing Colorado restaurant scene, where he invites you to join him, both on the air and for meals at area restaurants. He's Mike Boyle, and this is The Restaurant Show. I'm Mike Boyle, and this is The Restaurant Show, a new stock 710-KNUS. It is Saturday, November 4th. It is the last day of daylight saving time. That's right. Yes, indeedy. When you wake up tomorrow, spring forward, fall back. Yep, when you wake up at 7 o'clock tomorrow, it's really going to be 6 o'clock. So uh, set your clocks tonight before you go to bed, because I don't want you to miss the show tomorrow from 10 o'clock until noon, or our Boyle Lunch Bunch. My name is Mike Boyle. I'm inviting you to lunch, and we're going to have a bunch of people, because we get you great meals, great deals tomorrow, November 5th. We're going to be at India's Restaurant, 8921 East Hamden, and I'll broadcast from 10 to noon from a 11 o'clock until 1 o'clock. They're going to do their all-you-can-eat Indian buffet. The all-you-can-eat Indian buffet for 10 bucks. Now, a lot of us remember back in 2010 and 15 and pre-COVID when the buffet might have been 10, 11, 12 bucks. But post-COVID, post-shutdown, cost of supplies, labor, yeah, 20 bucks. It's not uncommon to see an all you can eat buffet for 20 bucks. Well, Chris here at India's restaurant, or tomorrow at India's restaurant, will be charging $10. His buffet is open. Monday through Saturday. He doesn't even typically open on Sunday, but uh, he's going to open for us tomorrow. So love to have you come by. And by the way, yes, I know a lot of people have gotten used to takeout. A lot of people have gotten used to delivery, but this will be a dine-in promotion. He wants you to see the beautiful building at 8921 East Hamden. He wants you to see the buffet, the complete complete layout, the white tablecloths, maybe see the private party room. So that's what we're going to be doing tomorrow. It's on my website at mikeboyle.com. This hour, what we're going to do is we're going to talk to a guy named Jim Bryan. And uh, I did an interesting interview with him a while back that I played in Colorado Springs, but I haven't played in Denver. It's still very timely. He is a Hollywood writer. Now, he's not part of the Writers Guild. He's more of a ghost writer. But he's got some wonderful, wonderful thoughts. Remember the television series Suits? 
I had never heard of suits. A listener suggested it, but apparently after Meghan Markle decides to marry Prince Harry, it goes through the roof with viewership and ratings. Well, now the people that wrote the episodes in 2010, 11, 12, they want to know why they can't have more money. And Jim's going to explain that. He's going to talk a little bit about cable and streaming and network television, a little bit about radio, AM and FM, music stations. It is an interesting interview. So let's do this. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Jim Bryan, and he's going to share those thoughts with you. And while you're thinking about it, maybe remind yourself, maybe write yourself a note, put it on the kitchen counter to change your clocks back, because tomorrow we'd love, love, love to see you at India's 8921 East Hamden for a boil meal deal. I think you will find that the food is absolutely the sog paneer, the butter chicken, the lentils. The vegetable pakora, the non bread, oh, the Indian lagers, mango lassies. Anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with Jim Bryan on the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. I could be holding you tonight. Quit, quit doing wrong and start doing right You don't care about what I think All right, welcome back to the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. You know what? It wasn't so very long ago a listener called up because we talk about restaurants and travel and movies and television shows. And, oh, I loved Yellowstone and I love Bosch. And I think Ozarks was a great television series. And a listener called up and said, have you seen Suits? S-U-I-T-S. I said, I not only haven't seen it, I haven't heard about it. Well, it turns out that it started in about 2010, ran for eight years, maybe even nine, and I and, and and all of a sudden here we are in 2023, and it's the rage. Everybody wants to see suits. And to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't know if Meghan Markle was a successful actress or an aspiring actress in Venice Beach waiting on tables. But she marries Harry, of course, and now she's all over the place. And I don't know if that brought a resurgence of the Suits phenomenon. But anyway, I thought, you know what? Recently, the Suits writers, you know, you heard about the writer strikes, call out abysmal residuals as show racks up massive numbers on streaming services. Suits has seen a resurgence of interest, but the writers aren't seeing that in their residuals. And I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to call... Jim Bryan. Jim's my next guest. We're going to bring him up. Uh, he's been in the radio business for years. He's been in the television business for years, produced television shows. He's also a guy that does rewrites. In other words, he may hear from an, an actor and say, in this script, I'm playing the part, but that's not the way that character should talk. Can you rewrite my lines for me? And he would do it. So he's got extensive knowledge. And I said, you know what? I'm going to ask him about this. I had such an enjoyable conversation. I said, Jim, I want to share you with the listeners. Jim Bryan, welcome to the show. 
Hey, Mike Boyle, how you doing? I'm doing terrific, and I want to let listeners also know that when I was with another radio station in Denver back in the mid-90s, 96, 97, Jim was actually my neighbor in Castle Rock, and he called me up and he said, uh, would you think about moving your restaurant show over to KNUS? And I have been here ever since. Of course, I have a show with Salem Broadcasting in Colorado Springs. So, listeners, if you're not enjoying the show... It's not my fault. It's Jim's. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the blame for it. <laughs> You're the one that brought me here. So, Jim, talk a little bit about this. Because I read in this article that somebody wrote Episode 3, Season 4, 2013. They got paid $15,000 for it. And I'm sure that they were happy as pigs in mud back then when they got that check. Well, now all of a sudden, Suits is off the chart with popularity. And they're saying, hey, what about me? Can you, can you, I don't even know where to go with this, but I'll let you take and run with it. I've never known you to have trouble talking. So let's go ahead and, let's go ahead and address this a little bit, okay? Well, well, part of the issue, Mike, is that um, back then when the show was made, there weren't nearly as many venues for the show to be aired. So, I mean, we're, we're basically dealing with problems of, problems of technology that are creating problems of revenue. And let's face it, it's always about money. No question. But, uh, yeah, the guy that the guy that wrote episode three, season four, whatever, he got his fifteen thousand bucks for it. He's been expecting those little checks now to come every month, every time that episode would air somewhere. Now, back in the day when you only had three television networks, um, it was easy to keep track of where shows aired. But since then, we've had this massive explosion of technology in the streaming area. And streaming has become a a mixed blessing. Number one, with streaming, you can reach every individual in the world that has a device (laughs) that can download, you know, from the Internet. Uh That's the good part. The bad part is you can't keep track of it. So, you know, you've got... Where you had three networks before that were running episodes of Bonanza or Gilligan's Island, you could, you could always keep track of what episode was running, what day, on what station, what network, whatever. And that writer would get his little check for $1.95 every month or whatever it was, and uh, he was happy. And it would be a cumulative thing. The more it would run, the more money he would get. Well, now, like you say, you may have millions of people watching that episode now on different streaming services and let alone the illegal uh, bootleg services and there's no revenue stream there's no way for that guy to get that little check from all those streaming services because they're not concerned about making sure the writer and the actors and everyone else that was involved in that episode get their little piece of the pie all they're concerned about is selling data of who's watching and they sell it you know in the areas where we want to know what we can sell you and send you junk email and all that kind of junk and that's how they make their money by streaming it is selling data so not giving, giving money away so so if if it shows on netflix that guy's probably going to get a residual check because there's a way to monitor that but there's plenty of places that may be popping up you know for example when i go to mexico and buy a t-shirt that has mickey mouse on it i right. doubt 
that that little Tienda <laughs> has made an arrangement with Disney to pay some sort of royalty to put Mickey Mouse on a T-shirt. Is that uh, safe to say? That's exactly the same problem. I mean, let's take a take a movie that was highly successful maybe 30, 40 years ago. Take um, the movie Speed. Okay, we all seen Speed. Sam Bullock, Keanu Reeves. It was a movie that launched their career in 1994. 20th Century Fox. It made tens of millions of dollars at the box office back then. It made tens of millions of dollars airing on, I think NBC was the first one to to run it on commercial TV. And then it went into HBO and Cinemax and Showtime, whatever. It continued to make money. However, in today's world, Speed is probably available now on 200 different streaming services because every idiot... Jim, Jim Bryan, Jim Bryan, <laughs> hold that thought. I do have to take a break. You remember how radio works. We're talking with Jim Bryan. Interesting conversation. We're going to be right back on the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. The bars are all closed. It's four in the morning. I must have shut them all down by the shape that I've been. All right, folks, we're back on the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show and going back to Jim Bryan. Jim, bring us up to speed. Okay, well, <laughs> very good, Mike. Talking you about the movies. <laughs> Thanks. I'll tell you no, what. And it, it was in 1994 that Speed came out. So it was in 1994 that my ongoing and still going love relationship with Sandra Bullock began. I'm, I'm telling you what. I, yep. You know, yeah, people, she was every, everybody's people, people, people say, you know what, if you can dream it, you can do it. That's nonsense. If you could dream it, you could do it. It, I'd be taking showers with Sandra Bullock. Okay, so <laughs> go ahead, Jim. Any, all right, anyhow, anyhow, back in back in the day, once it went into what we would call like syndication on different venues, it was easy to track, and they would all get their little check at the end of the end of the month. Once it hit streaming, there's no way. Plus, plus, in the meantime, you had this this huge explosion in, let's say, the DVD area, where now you could pick up a copy of Speed in a bin at Walmart for five bucks. <laughs> That's and, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and, and and you buy it for five bucks and you pass it on to ten other people after you've watched it and give it to your local library where another 50 people watch it. And, and that five bucks, there's no way anyone... And, and, Sandra, and Sandra and Keanu didn't get any money for that. No, no. And so that's where the problem is today. It's the the realm of distribution is so wide now and so diffused that there's no way to track any of that. And, and this is where these strikes are probably going. I mean, the WGA, the Writers Guild, they've supposedly settled. But what they've actually settled on is not the residuals, because I think everyone has pretty much given up on residuals now. Uh, it, it's a lost cause. And I, I think what they're looking at is basically try to pay people enough for the work that they do initially. Up, up front, yeah. Exactly. Okay. And pay them enough up front, and then, hey, be satisfied. And then, like roll, and then roll the dice and see if this show's going to be tremendously yeah. popular. 
Yeah, and then you might get called back to write another episode. And it's, it'd be like, you know, you pay your you pay the kid down the street 20 bucks to cut your grass. Well, hey, you don't pay him five cents every time somebody walks on your grass. <laughs> it, it, it's like, you know, he got his 20 bucks. Move on, kid. How many, You're not getting any more. How many cable? I remember in 1993, I was approached about doing a television show. Okay, well, I had only gone on radio in 1991. I've still got the restaurant. I'm trying to figure out how to expand this media empire that I'm in. And <laughs> so they said, so I met with these people and they said, yeah, we'd like to run a restaurant show on Channel 53. I said, what's that? I said, I don't. They said, well, it's a cable station. Uh, you know, you got two, four, seven, nine, but this is on channel 53 on cable. And I said, does my television station go to <laughs> channel 53? How many cable stations are there now? There has to be hundreds. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, back in, back in the early days, you had the initial cable networks were CNN, ESPN, okay. Turner, Broad, Turner Broadcasting, whatever. You maybe had a dozen cable stations. Now you have literally just on cable, and cable also includes your DISH networks, like uh, DirecTV and DISH. And so you're looking at about 800, 900 <laughs> cable cable outlets. Now, that's just cable. That's just the stuff that's wired to you or sent to you via your dish. Now, add another eight or 900 streaming services, as well as maybe 8,000 more streaming services that people are just doing from their basement. For example, my, my church. I set up a streaming service out of my church. We stream services every Sunday. We stream the pastor's sermon every week, and, and it's out there. And you know what? If I happen to play a song during one of those services, am I sending a nickel to whoever wrote that song? No. I mean, I, yeah, come and arrest me, but arrest me in about... 20,000 other churches that are doing the same thing every week. So this is what I'm saying. There's no way to monitor that. You just have to pay for it up front. It's going to cost you more somewhere. And uh, forget about ever looking for that money down the road. It's just that's just all drying up now real fast. So, Jim Bryan, is there are there, for example, let's say let's go back to uh, suit season one, uh, 2010. So that person that wrote season one, episode one, episode two, episode three, they might have gotten a number. Let's make right. it $2,500. Well, then when it gets brought back for season two, the people say, well, this is enough that we are going to do season two. Now we're going to pay you $3,500. And mm -hmm. we're going to bring it back for season three. So these people, now we're up to season four, my episode three. The guy got 15 k for it. So they are getting more money as the the early indicate just by bringing it back would indicate right. that it's popular enough. But you don't know that eight years later when the show ends that Meghan Markle is going to marry Prince Harry and everything's <laughs> going to blow up. You can't anticipate right. that, right? Right, right. No, that's exactly right. It, you know, success breeds more money in that industry. And, and uh, so, you know, you're, uh, Sandra Bullock, Keanu Reeves, uh, they started off in speed. And from there, they, their careers both took off so that within five years, 10 years, they probably went from making 350000 bucks a piece in that movie to making $10 million a movie, 
you know, five, ten years later. You get paid. You get paid for the fact that people want to see you, and the more you know, more butts you put in the seat of the theater, that's more money for the uh, theater owners. It's more money for the uh, studios. And it all trickles down to the, the people that made it happen. And who brought them into the theater? Mike Boyle went to see Sandra Bullock in her next movie. That's why Sandra Bullock got paid more money. Is there a bell? Is there a bell curve there? For example, we don't see much of Julia Roberts anymore. We just right. saw Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones number twelve or whatever it was, and <laughs> and and it and the people didn't respond. And when I no. say respond, money they didn't. Get Get the anticipated box office revenues. So did Harrison Ford at 80 years old, did he probably get offered less money for number five than he did for number four? Or was the name value enough to carry him through, but he won't get that for number six? That's exactly right. He, he He got a lot of money to make this last version. The problem was it problem was it tanked. It stunk really bad, and it didn't make any money. It didn't even make back what it cost to make it. It got so, such bad reviews that listen, I'm a Rocky, Indiana <laughs> Jones, Rambo. I'm a freak for that type of stuff. But it people panned it so badly, I haven't even gone to see it. Yeah, and the problem will be now for Harrison Ford. Uh, if anyone is even stupid enough to make the next version of Indiana Jones, <laughs> that he won't get as much money for it. But I guarantee you, this will probably kill the franchise. And, um, you know, next time it comes back, Harrison Ford won't be Indiana Jones. It'll be, you know, some other young actor that uh, they'll do a prequel instead of a sequel. All right. So we're talking with Jim Bryan. Speaking of, you know what? I guarantee you, if Stallone comes out with Rocky 35, I'll be there. <laughs> Me too. Because I love it. You have a wonderful relationship with Rocky, with uh, Stallone. And um, so explain to people how one of the things that you do um, – Jim can work from anywhere because when he gets a call, um, you know, we're making a Sopranos television show. And here's the script, Jim. And Mm -hmm. the writer, the producer, maybe the character, the actor himself will call you up and say, look, that's not the way gangsters talk. We need gangster language. And... (laughs) You've done it on Yellowstone. You've done it with Stallone. Explain what you do. I think it's fascinating. Well, I mean, I kind of stumbled into it. I mean, actually, it began the last writer's strike in in the uh, 80s. And uh, I had, um, you know, just kind of stumbled into the fact that I was always a pretty good writer. But uh, I get a call. And uh, to this day, I can't tell you the actor's name because under contract, if I do, he'll sue my rear end really bad Mm -hmm. but uh, bottom line i get this call i have been referred to him by somebody else and uh, again they needed someone to tweak a script that was set in western pennsylvania and that's of course where i was born and raised how he found out about that and, and whatever i don't know must have found something that i did but anyhow i said sure i'll do it 
And uh, he says, 5000 bucks, okay? I said, wow. I said, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, working at, I was working at radio at the time, so 5000 bucks for, you know, a quick rewrite was, was great. And uh, I had to sign this, you know, 58-page contract or whatever that yeah. if I ever told anybody I did it, NDA and non-disclosures all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And... Uh, the guy didn't give me his real name. I kind of recognized his voice, but he went by a, a pseudonym so that I wouldn't supposedly know who he was. And uh, I, I did the rewrite, sent it back, didn't think about anything of it until about eight months later, my wife and I go to a movie and I said, holy crap, I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized who it was. And, uh, of course, in the credits, the actor took all the uh, credit for the uh, the writing, you know, written by. And uh, that's okay. I got my 5000 bucks, And uh, it kind of started from there. And then it became yeah, a referral yeah, yeah. thing. Well, well, I was just going to say, hold that thought. But the referral thing is a big, big part of what you do. And some of the people that are on on my guest Jim Bryan's speed dial uh, would really be impressive. So we're going to get back with him on the wrestling show. going here let's get back into referrals so jim bryan my guest is a what your do i call you a rewrite specialist for movies Actually, and television? more i'm i'm more of a ghostwriter ghostwriter okay for radio and television shows and so you're in a movie you're watching the movie and the actor who you didn't know because you had to sign all these non-disclosure agreements and so forth all of a sudden He's using your lines. You turn right. to your wife and you say, those are my lines. And yeah. you don't think much about it. And now, so he must have liked it enough. Does he call you back or does he refer you yeah, to a no. buddy? How does it work? Well, from that point, he knew that the jig was up and I knew who he was and he knew who I was. And I had his number in my speed dial, like you said. And, and yeah, I got a couple of callbacks, but the deal was the same. He'd just give me a price, Jim. Can you do this? Sometimes it'd be as simple as just one page where they'd be stuck on some dialogue on, you know, this page or that page and whatever. And I'd still get paid good money just to clean up a page or two. Other times it was an entire script. But then I'd start getting calls from Sylvester Stallone and, um, Nicholas Cage and Bruce Willis and uh, wow. you know my wife would my wife would say hey Jim you know Tom Jim I knew you, Jim I knew you, I knew you I knew you when you were a program director at KNUS <laughs> yeah, I I, I want you to know that with Stallone and Cage and Willis on your speed dial I want you to know that I appreciate you still taking my calls. <laughs> <laughs> well, trust me. You haven't trust forgotten not, your roots. No, it's not as glamorous <laughs> as you think. It's work. It is work. But again, in the residual world, I get nothing for that because I took my money up front, uh -huh. and that was part of the deal. And, uh, you know, I, I I enjoy what I was doing. And, and when it got to the point where I started working with uh, Jim Gandolfini, and we actually were working on a movie together, 
And then the SOB ends up dying on me. It was like, <laughs> that was, that was going to be the one where I finally had the big breakout. You know, he had just finished rapping on, on Sopranos, and uh, we had this wonderful script set in Chinatown in Honolulu, and it was a period piece. It was terrific. And uh, he goes and dies on me. Have, you, have, you, have you ever taken any <laughs> consolation in the fact that it didn't didn't propel you to stardom and get you a big check? You know, it was a little it, hard. Did it ever consider? Did you ever consider that it was a little harder on him than it was on you? Well, I, I know dying was harder on him than <laughs> it was on me, yeah. but. Uh, but uh, he was a nice guy, and I enjoyed working with him. But it's just how the industry works sometimes. You can be right there at the point of, of man, this is it, finally, the big breakout, and then all of a sudden, boom. I mean, I have more dead people in my phone than probably living people anymore. Cause they, <laughs> because <laughs> of age. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, the other day I, I was going through, and I found, like, Hugh O'Brien, and these people. They've been dead for years. And it's like, well, I still keep them in my phone just in case. You never know. I mean, you know. There's always that Twilight Zone episode where you get this call from a grave somewhere. But uh, uh, anyhow, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. But, you know, I'm, I'm always moving on to other things, just like, you know, most people do. You, you kind of just wear out your welcome in certain areas. And Hollywood has just gotten really weird. And most of the people, like I say, in that that age group, Willis, Stallone, Cage. They, they uh, haven't. The, Hollywood has not found out, have they, that you are a white heterosexual Christian male. Have they, they haven't found that out yet, have they? No, they, they have. They have. I okay. remember making a comment one time in front of a couple of producers, something about illegal immigration, and boy, uh, that phone never rang again. And uh, uh, it, it's, it's hey, that's, that's the way Hollywood works. But, uh, you know, one other thing I do want to talk to you about, Mike, and that's the AI thing. You know, part of this whole thing, too, with the directors and writers and actors, this artificial intelligence aspect of this, this is another area that's just going to explode where well, we don't even well, know. Well, well Jim, I'm sorry to interrupt, but, uh, but you know, I was listening to Kevin Costner one day talking about something like the majority of the movies. I don't know if it's 51 percent, 75 percent are all CG, computer generated now. Right. And, it, right. and it's aliens and people eating each other and all of that type of stuff. <laughs> and and these but, but they're so much less expensive to make than hiring the Harrison Fords and. They generate so much more money, so I'm not surprised that AI, artificial intelligence, is a way that the industry is going. It is going, and in so many directions, too, that you can't even imagine. For example, models. In the next five to ten years, I've been told, young young women are not going to have much of a career in modeling anymore because now AI can create perfect perfect, absolutely beautiful women of any dimension, color, size, shape you want, and they, they can have them walk and strut and do everything they want and wear all the clothes that every designer puts out, and you don't have to pay a model a million bucks anymore because some 28-year-old nerd can create this woman on a computer you know, in his basement. And, 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 uh, and people are buying it online and having, it, and having it delivered by Amazon. Yeah, there, there's going to be a huge lawsuit coming up, and Tom Hanks uh, literally... <laughs> He's taken on some dentist in Florida who, with AI, the company who made the commercial for this dentist just happened to come up with a character in his commercial that looks exactly like Tom Hanks. And he's talking about how great this dentist is. And, you know, I use this dentist all the time, and I I think you should, too. Now, he never says, hi, I'm Tom Hanks, but everyone knows it 
it's Tom Hanks, but it was computer generated. You know, it's, and, it's and, funny. Every once in a while, you hear this story. We're all over the map talking with Jim Bryant, but it, it, we're all over the map because every once in a while, you'll hear about an insurance salesman uh, who's on the road on a business trip and wants to get into the newest, biggest, hottest, trendiest restaurant in Manhattan. Months, months, months long waiting line, and they say, "What's the name?" And he says, "My name is Michael Jordan," and his name is Michael Jordan. And when he shows up and he's this overweight, graying insurance salesman, the place is a little disappointed. But you know what? I don't know if AI created the Tom Hanks or if there's somebody that looks a lot like Tom Hanks. Well, no, this is the interesting part of it, because the new generations now of AI, literally, you don't put in, hey, draw me a character, create me a character that looks like Tom Hanks. All you do is sit there. It's kind of like an artist's rendition when you're trying to in describe the crimi- a In a criminal lineup, yeah. yeah. Exactly. The guy that robbed you, you're describing it to an artist. And so all you're doing is describing to your computer what you'd like to see on screen. And it just so happens that it looks like Tom Hanks. Well, it's going to go, I guarantee you, this is going to be a breakthrough case because we already have commercials of Abe Lincoln dancing around selling RVs. And, and, you know, uh, there used to be a law with the FCC. You couldn't use dead presidents in, in commercials. Well, that all went out the window in the 80s when they reformed the FCC regulations. So now you got Abe Lincoln and George Washington and everybody else selling drunk on television. And if it's okay for Abe Lincoln to be selling you an RV, why can't some guy that looks like Tom Hanks be selling you, you know, the dental services? I mean, it's, here's here's another spooky thing. This is really spooky. And you'll appreciate this. There are people right now working in studios, working around the clock, creating a new movie that is going to star movie stars from the past with movie stars from the present and all computer generated and you will never know the difference for example so Burt Burt Lancaster will be starring with Kevin Costner like in Field of Dreams but a brand new movie in 2023 with Burt being dead yeah, well, you, 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 for example, uh, Clint Eastwood and John Wayne never did a movie together. Right. Can you can you imagine a Western with Clint Eastwood and John Wayne? Let me you know when anyone... it's coming out, because yeah, I'll watch exactly. it. <laughs> exactly. Or, 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 you know, Tom Hanks and Humphrey Bogart. I mean, you're going to have all kinds of things being created. Marilyn Monroe and, and Julia Roberts or whatever. Just things that you can't even imagine. And, and it's being done, and it's going to test every law out there because, again, it's the Wild West now with this AI and with streaming and with all the new technology. There's no way to control it. So I I think, like I say, it's going to be fun, but for the actors and and their estates uh, that uh, still enjoy those residuals, I mean, you're going to see a concert coming up soon, probably with Elvis and Taylor Swift. I mean, because who's going to stop it? Uh, it, It's just really mind-boggling what's out there right now. So that 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 almost is the underlying of when the writers struck. I mean, it's who owns what and how far right. can you take it. We're talking with Jim Bryan. I hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as I am, listeners. You know, when I think of, you know, when I think of syndicated television shows before before all of the streaming services, I loved Cheers. 
I loved every you can watch an episode of Everyone Loves Raymond and you can watch the same episode tomorrow and laugh as hard tomorrow as you laugh today. And 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 friends. I wasn't a friends guy. My daughter was. I started watching them. They're funny. They're enjoyable shows. So going back to suits. And we, I've only got about another minute here, Jim, and then I'll just keep you for another couple of minutes in the next segment. My guess is that going back after the first season of Cheers, the first season of Everyone Loves Raymond, the first season of Friends, everybody got more money for the second second season. Everybody got more for the third. And maybe that's why some series like Reacher by Lee Child or Terminalist by Jack Carr. Maybe that's why they're not quite there yet for the additional seasons, because people are saying, we've got to get ours up front, because we're not sure what's going to happen with cable services and streaming services. So uh, am I I on track with that? No, you're you're exactly on track, and that that's where the the stick is right now with the Actors Guild and everyone else. It's how much more can we pay these people and still make money as a studio, as a conglomerate? You're, you're paying a major league baseball player ten years, ten million a year yeah. because he had a good year, and you're just hoping that he'll have two, three, five, eight, ten years. His name is Jim Bryan. Well, We're going to be back to wrap it up with Jim. Uh, hope you're enjoying this. I think it's fun. We're going to talk more with him and wrap it up here on the restaurant show. Restaurant Show. Hope you're enjoying this conversation with Jim Bryant, learning a lot about how movies and television, and of course we all, you know, we went through this with ASCAP. Remember when people that came out with a big hit in the 40s and 50s and 60s, all of a sudden they didn't understand why it could be played in the 70s and 80s and they weren't getting anything and now every time Maggie May plays, Rod Stewart gets a check for two cents, something like that. Well, it's being played a lot so Rod's getting a big check. Where do you see radio going? Um, because, of course, we've got AM, FM, we've got streaming services, we have podcasts. Uh, I'm living the dream here on Salem Broadcasting, but uh, my guess is that there's some changes. We see tracking. You know, we have a live local show, but then we have somebody like a... Hugh Hewitt or Dennis Prager with our stable or a Sean Hannity that's on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stations because that talent's getting paid and the local affiliate can use that under some arrangement. Yeah, no, and, and the, the radio stations and radio conglomerates out there like Salem and Clear Channel and, and uh, Cox and all the other ones, they've been smart in that they've learned how to move into the other areas as well, streaming and podcasts and whatever. But uh, what started to kill radio, music radio, because radio kind of breaks into two things, as you know. It's talk radio and there's music radio. Right. Music radio is basically dead. It's dead. And what killed it, started killing it, was the iPod. I, I was just going to say, because everybody 
puts yeah. a mix. You only play. Now we exactly. only listen to our favorite songs. We don't have to listen to all the stuff we don't like. Exactly. Once Apple came out with the iPod and Sony came out with the Walkman and all those kind of things, people could create their own radio station on their own little device and keep it in their pocket. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to have to listen to commercials on commercial radio just to hear music. And then, of course, it went into the streaming services and Sirius and XM and all that kind of stuff. Talk radio has been uniquely carving out a niche for many decades. And, of course, guys like Howard Stern and and, um, Hugh Hewitt and and Rush Limbaugh, they took it to a whole new level. And and it's still alive. But where is it going to go? I don't know, Mike. I mean, uh, I'm hearing all kinds of things about uh, radio these days. Well, you hear hear movements in Congress to take AM radios out of cars and all of that type of stuff. So, you know, I, I think what's interesting is that talk radio, as we know, skews a little older, 40s, 50s, 60s and up, professional, semi-professional homeowners. So I think that it's important for those listeners to know that we're going to be here for you. But also, if you happen to miss this show today, we're going to have it as a podcast on the station website so you can go back and hear all these pearls of wisdom from Jim Bryan in, in, in this interview. I, I think that you're right that I think that I, and I fight it as well. Every once in a while, I say to myself, Mike, you can make it without I meet listeners to say, I don't have a computer. What do you mean you don't have a computer? It's like having a library in your house. What's the matter with you? Well, yeah. but I think that I think that. We're ramping up. What do they say? That we have more knowledge in the last 10 years than we had in the last thousand or something like that. So I I think what I would say to listeners and I think what you are saying is just keep yourself reasonably informed. You don't have to have every app for a free Subway sandwich on Monday on your phone. But you, you just need to keep yourself up to speed and current. And for the time being, radio helps you do that. Yeah, I mean, as a former program director of AM radio, my biggest wake-up call was about a month ago, we bought a brand-new 2024 Jeep. This Jeep does it's smarter, not have... It's smarter than you are. You know, oh. It doesn't have AM radio. There's no AM radio any longer. And I said to the guy at the dealership, I said, where's the AM on my dial? He said, oh, nobody listens to AM anymore. <laughs> and he says, none of the new Jeeps coming out this year are going to have AM radios in. So you have a choice between FM and SM, you know, Sirius. Uh, and, and that's it. And so the industry is deciding for you what you can listen to. And that's not fair. I mean, I, I still want to hear AM radio because yeah, where am I going to get yeah, my mic ball yeah, thing? Yeah, and one of the things... Yes, and and I will tell you something. I don't respond to people telling me what I need to eat, what I need to drink, what I need to listen to, where I need to go, and the hotels I need to stay in. So, Jim, what a great, great thank you so much for spending the time. It's been absolutely fascinating, and uh, and proud to call you a friend. Um, Glad you're glad you're enjoying. By the way, I sent Jim and his wife Teresa a copy of Christian's Walk by Jack Billups, a book that I have done Ooh, the audio book, book. Yeah. Oh, and it's a it's a wonderful book. And I did the audio book for it. That'll be coming out here shortly. But thanks an awful lot for your time. I think it was I think it was fun, and I think that you probably shared a lot of insight into the Hollywood radio, television, movie, cable, streaming um, 
industries. So thanks an awful lot for that, Jim. Okay. I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Take care. All right. We're going to go ahead and that wraps up this hour. I'm Mike Boyle. This is the Restaurant Travel, Movies, Books, Sports, whatever we feel like talking about show. Hope you've enjoyed that. We'll be back after the news on the Restaurant Show. Jesus. 